right, welcome to Now This Is Podcasting. I'm your host, Connor. I have my co-host, Jaden, here. yee <laughs> And former guest, Calvin. Thanks for having me back. And this is uh, part two of our review of Hereditary. Uh, this is going to cover more of like uh, like symbols. Uh, we're going to go over payment a bit and then uh, discussing the coven uh, quite a bit. You know, kind of like the subtext, uh, kind of diving deeper into this. So uh, I'm, I'm excited to get this one started. I think if you listen to part one, you know that we are really fond of this one. So I'm, I'm, I always like diving deeper and getting more into it. Yeah. And fondness means you get a part two. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think this is what I love about doing these horror movies in October. It seems like all the ones we've done, it's like a because this is a genre that I think is usually thought of as like this is kind of the step-headed red child of filmmaking. You know? It's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, <laughs> God, shoot me! I can't, I can't say it right anymore. Yeah, right. <laughs> You'll never outlive that, bud. Red-headed stepchild. There you go. You no, 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 no. Step-headed red child. Yeah. Stop. <laughs> But it's, it's looked at as kind of, I think, like a lower form of, of filmmaking. And I like that all of our deep dives we're doing now are all on horror movies. Yeah, exactly. I think it's yeah. great. It, it's such a... It, it, the ones we've picked out, I think, all have a really great story that is just set in a kind of a horror is the backdrop to it. So Yeah. And I think that this, that's the thing that I, it kind of frustrates me about horror um, as it exists in Hollywood. In the same sort of way uh, with sci-fi, with fantasy, there is a lot of subtext that you can actually put into your films, but it's 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 like plot devices. It's uh you know it's it's game theory uh, as like oh yeah you've never heard of this or chaos theory or um, in the case of horror it's just like random book of the dead type thing like the Evil Dead two um, or Evil Dead one and two because right. man the or three or the remake <sighs> or the show. Yeah. And it's just like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, my gosh. Yeah, exactly. They, but they're all like, I forgot all that stuff exists. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. The whole, the whole evil dead universe. Oh, and like, what is it? Army of darkness. Army yeah. Of that's, that's, that's also one. Yeah. That's yeah. Okay. Right. That's right. Yeah. yeah. I'm not, I'm not up to date on those. Cause like that they one don't, is so yeah. just out of nowhere <laughs> compared yeah. to the other ones. Uh, it's just like a lot of it. Um, there's depth to mine and it just wants to say superficial. And I, I find that so frustrating. Yeah, and I think that this film treats its horror element so much differently. It's it's used so much better than I think a lot of the kind of contemporary uh, films in that genre. You know, like I think I always make fun of Conjuring and Annabelle and stuff like that. It's like, why stop making these? Make more stuff like Hereditary that's so much more scary or like Paranormal Activity. Why did those movies like kind of take over cinema for so long? Because one of them was successful <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. and genuinely terrifying. I guess, but then it's some. Just, there are some parts of some of them where I was like, oh, this is pretty fucked up, dude." Yeah. yeah, the first one is amazing. I don't find yeah. Blair Witch to to be all that um, scary, but the first Paranormal Activity. Do you have a Blair Witch video game on uh, the Oculus? That'll freak you out. Oh man, yeah, it's, oh, that's, it's that actually creepy. sounds awesome. Yeah, yeah, I'm a, I'm interested to see where film goes in terms of uh, um, augmented reality. Oh, that's interesting. I never really. So I mean, associated those two together. I've seen installations or I've wanted to go to installations where they are like augmented reality uh, uh, stories. Like, so you actually go there, you have to wait in line because there's only so many headsets and you put them on and you can see the whole story. Like it's all happening, yeah. but it depends on where you actually look. I mean, I've definitely watched oh, some like kind that a lot. of films in VR. <laughs> 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 really, really pushing the boundary of good taste. <laughs> All right, let's talk about payment. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about payment. Um, so payment uh, is obviously the 
I don't know about antagonist here necessarily, but he's certainly the object of uh, attention for the coven. And Payment is actually one of the 72 uh, demons mentioned in the Ars Goetia, uh, one of the books of the Lesser Key of Solomon. Um, the symbol that the coven uses is actually Payment's sigil, uh, but it's got one less head. The The real one has four of those like circles on top. Mm-hmm. Um, and the myths around King Solomon say that, and this is King Solomon from the Bible, uh, say that he learned how to conjure demons and use them for his own end. Like the seal of Solomon is actually a hexagram inside of a circle. It's the star of David without the circle. So you can see how these symbols change over time. Um, and it's been carried in over into other esoteric traditions like the pentagram, the universal hexagram, which is like if you've ever seen uh, Bring Me the Horizon, um, is a band that uses that that symbol right now. It was came out of a lot of uh, Aleister Crowley's uh, uh, um, work. Um, I want to say he's American. I don't care that much. So these are all names that we recognize. A lot of people that <laughs> a lot of people that uh, are into this stuff are like, "Yeah, you're not going deep enough. This okay. is all this is all very surface level stuff." Um, but yeah, so you have other uh, um, like all of these other ones. And the the basic principle is that you have like triangles and um, other squares and circles, depending on if you're talking about alchemy or if you're talking about a specific esoteric tra- uh, tradition, like the or principle. Yeah, yes, yeah. The game has got circles, squares, and triangles. Yeah, yeah. kind of, kind of. But, yeah, like, <laughs> <laughs> um, but so like the principle for conjuring circles is such that the inner triangle, pentagram, hexagram, uh, contains the demon and allows one to harness the power. And it's really important to think about that when you think about uh, Annie's ritual versus uh, Joan's ritual. Because when Joan performs it, we she has a tablecloth over it, right? And when you pull that off, you actually see a triangle carved into the table. So she had done it correctly to keep herself safe. Um, when Annie does it, there's there's no such protection. So they're just inviting it into the house. Yeah. Right. I uh, Talking about like kind of uh, shapes and everything, uh, I know that the product designer, uh, there was uh, the idea of like sacred geometry, like mm-hmm. triangles representing like Annie, Peter, and Charlie. And then earlier you have a square kind of representing the, the whole family when Charlie's a part of it. Uh, so I, I like that idea too. And, uh, kind of the, the, a circle would represent kind of this, uh, kind of how the, the film starts and ends and it's kind of the culmination of like payment arriving and everything like that. So I, I like the idea of that. I, I think sacred geometry is such a cool thing to just say in general. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Just a, as a phrase, it's interesting, but yeah, you see triangles everywhere. Uh, Ellen's room, um, when, uh, Annie goes in there after someone has opened the door, um, there's a triangle on the floor. Joan's table has a triangle. Um, Charlie's room, uh, is actually because of how it's like a loft. It actually comes to a point. It's yeah. a triangle. Um, it's carved it, into like some of the, the hallways have little, uh, symbols and stuff carved into the triangle is one of them. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Um, the tree house is a, is a triangle and then, yeah, the words written all over the house too. You start to put together this picture that the house is actually, um, it's meant to conjure payment in a, a geometric sense because of all of those because of all of those elements. It's set up in such a way that the coven has been working towards that end, setting up the house for the purpose of bringing payment into the house. There's one phrase that's written if it's a lifthouch pandemonium. Pandemonium. Yeah. yeah okay. Is that, is that is that what you're referring to? Is some of the stuff yep. that's scripted? Um, yeah. What I what are the other ones that are. Not sacrimony, uh, satiny. 
um, is one of them. And it's interesting watching Annie paint in her miniatures. She'll, she takes those words and puts them into the miniatures too as well, which kind of, again, sets her up as outside of the dollhouse drama and a part of the uh, coven. Yeah, and I, I just think that that word that's uh, the liftach is, uh, is Hebrew and means to open, and then the second word is uh, all demons. So it's like opening the house to demons, which is essentially what that kind of that, that seance that like uh, that uh, like kind of paper she gets to read. And I love how she just reads it because Joan just tells her like, oh, it'll conjure your daughter. And it, like, there's no second thought about it, like what it might do. It just kind of opens up the floodgates and everything. And so I, I like, yeah, like you said, I like the idea of the house kind of being an entity and like being a part of this like ritual as well. Yeah. Yeah. I do love that a lot. Um, I love looking back through the film and finding the coven's influence. Like we talked about in the first part, how they, he hides it really well. All of the uh, sinister forces working against the family, but there's a number of really fun clues. Um, When they first get home from the, uh, from Ellen's. um, Yeah. We get get back from Ellen's funeral. She gets back from the funeral. You can hear footsteps and doors closing before they actually watch, walk into the foyer. Yeah, and I think mm-hmm. we had talked about that in the first episode. Is like uh, this kind of it's like an ominous feeling that they're kind of being surrounded by these this cult, and like it it culminates at the end where they are literally surrounded by the cult. But it's kind of a feeling throughout, and like little clues like that, like is what build that up. It really hint towards that. I like that a lot. Uh, I hadn't actually noticed that until you brought it up um, when we were discussing this earlier. So I'm excited to go back and kind of try and catch that one. Yeah, yeah, there's lots of them like that. And so that's another reason that I, th- I think of the grief circle as being like a conjuring circle or a col- or like, you know, we've like from the witch, uh, a witch's Sabbath type thing is because you also see uh, Ellen's body like in a circle of fire, like out in the field. Oh, when Charlie goes into the backyard yeah, and sees it, Charlie, yeah. And you see uh, a bunch of footsteps mm-hmm. on the path over there. And I yeah. think it's meant to show the the coven actually took the body over there and for whatever purpose you know who knows like what tradition they really follow yeah um that would that this would make sense but so we had discussed uh before recording this uh the body of ellen is found in the attic mm-hmm. and uh prior to that steve gets a phone call and he finds out that the the grave has been desecrated and he's like what it's only been like a day or two and yeah so my thought is that uh annie's sleepwalking again and she's dug it up herself and put it in the attic yeah but calvin has a different take on that one yeah no i think like because you've established that the that something else is happening here like all of these other footsteps the sound of the footsteps in the attic they suggest that the the coven has been a part of this house for what like why ellen's door was open when they got back and they were like why is this uh and she asked steve to lock it and she knows she's, she's paranoid but it's very clear that either um, they exist and they're actually interfering or Annie is is crazy and none of these people are real but um, because it's just a mental projection. Like we talk about uh, how um, in the grief circle she talks about how Charles um, hung himself because uh, her, her older brother, he hung himself because he uh, was upset with his mother for putting people inside of him. And you think of the, the coven being representative of like a mind state, like all of these people are inside of her mind um, as like a, a, a part of the ritual um, in that sense. Huh. It, I yeah. thought like, I mean, I assume that she's trying to put payment in there. Yeah. Yeah. And the, like, yeah, I, I mean, I've always, I'd never thought that she was sleepwalking and 
grabbed the body. I thought it was the coven the whole time. I know that Steve says that, like, whatever the, like, that she did it or she might have done it after he finds the body in there. I think either interpretation, like, function well in the yeah, story. Yeah, I, I think, Cause, like... Because I like that take, too, that yeah. it's the coven has been a part and been able to move in and out of the house kind of freely without anyone noticing. That yeah. is also terrifying. But I also kind of like the idea of, like, Annie being uh, unaware that she is a part of the cult with, like, she doesn't even know that she's kind of carrying out this, like, will that they have. Yeah. So I think that's also scary. I think both, like, function well. Yeah. Um, I mean, Ari Aster did say that, like, everything done is done by the coven. Yeah. Yeah. Like, even, like, uh, when he's... Uh, when. Uh, Freaking Peter's getting his like head pulled or whatever when he's sleeping. He's like, that's not, that's not his mom. That's someone from the coven doing that. That's not a dream? No, that's real. That's amazing. Yeah. Oh, that makes that even more scary. Yeah. Okay. I, I, cause Cause it doesn't that, make sense. Like, she, there's no way she could get behind it. Yeah. The way that, I, I oh. think the way that scene played to me is it was like, yeah, I thought it was a dream. Cause then he, it, it seems like he wakes up, he sits up in bed and he sees his mom. She's like, what is yeah. happening? She's like, why were you choking me? And she's like, I, I didn't, I just came in and you were yelling. I thought it was a dream. That makes it so much more scary. Yeah. If it's, if it's one of the, it's one of the people. Yeah. yeah one of the on his head. Yeah. Oh my God. That's, yeah. so, that's so freaky. I'm glad you said that. That makes that scene so much better yep. as if this movie needed to get any better. Than <laughs> it is. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I love that a lot. Yeah. Wow. I'm kind of blown away by that. Because it does, I feel like there were there are a lot of dream sequences where this where those things types of things like especially right there because um, she was talking about how she never wanted him, um, you know she tried she tried to save him by having an abortion, abortion yeah because like she knew what was what was coming basically like the same thing that happened to Charles the same type of thing that her mother tried to do with her like it feels like and and. It's a like lot of hereditary. Yeah. Well, <laughs> exactly. But the other thing is like a lot of uh therapists, counselors describe um whether or not your child knows your secrets. Secrets inflict psychic wounds just by existing. They they uh affect you in such a personal way that you end up hurting the ones uh around you whether and they know what the the motivation behind them is. So I think she always had a sense of like yeah, her mom had DID, um, dissociative identity disorder, but she was also like doing something else that was kind of crazy. I think that's I think that's kind of implied as well. Yeah, no, it, there's much more than just uh, like a psychological disorder to that character for sure. I I, I mean that obviously there's paranormal uh, like entities and stuff going on in this film. So it, to kind of play both those things together make it especially scary because it's it's something that we all. Like people know about disorders like this and that's something that like you feel and you notice it and you, people have like people in their family who experience those. And then to add on top of that, like there's also a demon in this movie makes it more freaky. Yes. So I, I like, I like kind of weaving those two together to like add to the anxiety in this film. Yeah. Because it's also like, not only is it, um, fun in figuring out which one is which, but it also makes, uh, okay, well it's just, it's just mental illness. You know, we can, I can, you know, they're, they're talking about DID and psychotic depression. All of that makes sense in how someone would, would express their disorder as like demon worshiping, very, very evil type of thing um, within like a narrative sense, not necessarily how people actually behave, but we, there's just so much uncertainty there. Like, is it really that because they're a sick person or are they, uh, are they a sick person and have latched onto something that's really dark as well because they are a sick person? I think Steve represents that really well in this kind of the, he's, he's, I think he looks at what's going on with Annie and he's like, something's wrong with you. Like, you know, 
this he doesn't view this as like something supernatural that's happening. No, yeah. He thinks that like okay, like we need to help you out. We need to figure out what's going on in a more like scientific way. Like let's we need to figure out how to treat this. And uh, Annie is like, no, this is something much more. She's like, I'm, I I had these visions and I was ignoring them for so long. And she's like, I'm I'm a medium and and she's looking at this in more of a supernatural way where he's looking at it in more of like a clinical way. And I I, I like that disconnect between the two characters. It it builds up kind of the uh, like a kind of um, there's like an emotional scene where they come together and they have like this argument and that's one of the scenes I like the most where it's again it's a long shot where they just deliver a bunch of dialogue and it's just great to sit back and watch but that's where their relationship really comes to a head and their two like opposing views latch onto one or the other kind of and it's like how do you how do we experience like that scene which one do you identify with the most and that's why I think that that scene is so good yeah and it exists so it's also it's it's audience experience like which one is this really happening is she just crazy but it's also another one of those things we talk about folk tales and and mental projections all the time you can think of this as an internal dialogue uh of a single person like if you think of um steve as being a projection of her more logical self um you know she she's going like no no i'm i this is really happening it's like no you're you're crazy you really need to get you really need to get some help right now um and then to physically burn that part of her like no this is happening just adds to the element of of someone who's given over to their their psychosis and i th- i think that's an, another fun way of looking at it too another thing that you can and another way that it's represented as um it's all from Annie's perspective is like when she knocks over the the paint bottle, if you watch closely, she doesn't actually touch it. I didn't notice that. Yeah. She doesn't touch it. And if you look in the top right of the frame in the window, there's payments, blue light shimmering on one of the panes. And that paint color is teal and teal is represent is a big, I mean, obviously that's his blue light. Um, there but it's also like the lockers are teal there's a lot of teal things the pigeon is teal um that color is very representative like i didn't dive a lot into it but it's a color that he paid attention to so again but it's all happening from her perspective so um, i hate that i've seen this movie a bunch of times and i'm still missing stuff i do love these discussions because now it's like okay i need to go back and check this out but yeah no i I am glad you brought that up yeah yeah exactly um Let's see what else. Uh, same uh, sort of thing, like uh, Payman leading around Peter. Like I think Peter is very much. You can look at Peter as either being possessed by the coven, or having the same psychological problems that Annie does. And with certain types of diseases, they start to manifest later. Uh, DID uh, being one of those ones, I think that starts to manifest like early twenties. But these aren't; they're not uh, apparent diseases at young ages. The way that like uh, being on the spectrum is, the way that uh, uh, depression is, they start to manifest as you age more and more. And we don't really know why. But so this could literally be happening. Like why it had been undiagnosed for so long in him. And so now you have it portrayed in both characters of seeing this blue light and being haunted by it. Right. Mm. Do we, do we want to talk about why, why is Peter not like the vessel for payment right off the bat? Why is Charlie so important to um, like kind of, uh, he, she needs to inhabit Peter's body that way they can get payment into it. Do we want to discuss that more? Yeah. I think that's, that's interesting, especially considering her name being Charlie. I think, isn't that the point is like, uh, the grandmother was hoping so badly for a boy that they end up giving her like, like a traditional boy's name. 
they gave her the same name as her son. Right, right. Yeah. yeah, I think that's the that's the thing. It's like they changed it just enough so it's still uh, gender appropriate and it's not like over the top obvious, but I think it's just obvious and uh, enough not, that yeah. it's 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 a fun little fact. Yeah, um, I am confused as why didn't they just do it with Peter right away? Well, because they were estranged. She wasn't living in the house. Oh, okay, so that was that was one part of it. The other part that I just don't understand: um, why did it take so long? Yeah, like. There was no... Like, they waited till the grandmother's death for all this to happen. Yeah, Seems clearly. Seems odd, yeah. Yeah, clearly they orchestrated uh, Charlie getting killed because we saw Payman's sigil on um, on the light post. Yeah, they put right? the deer there and yeah. the nuts in the cake, probably. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> they convinced all the yeah, teens in I'm, town to I'm bake... I'm assuming the one <laughs> teenager cakes. who knew how to bake cake maybe wasn't a teenager... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, that's actually interesting you bring that up. Uh you know, after Charlie's died and uh Peter's there under the bleachers smoking weed with his friends. Yeah. And he like he starts to cry, he's like freaking out and I think part of that is kind of Charlie inhabiting his body because she's having he's having like a he talks about his throat feeling tight the same way Charlie did after the electric yeah. reaction. Mm-hmm. That one of the kids under there, he's got like a he's got like his hair up in like a little bun. And that same kid you see him later on in the treehouse. So there's even kids that are a part of this. Okay, yeah, it's insane. It's like I, I did not, see I did not that. notice that either. But yeah, I would, I would assume that. So I, I know one hundred percent of Charlie's death has to do with the coven. Yeah, like, I know you made the, the, the they put the nuts in the cake yeah. as a joke, but it might actually be that it one probably of the, one is, of the kids yeah. at the party is like, oh, okay, let me probably watching. We'll see that kid like in the house or in the yeah. treehouse or something. You like, know, and that actually makes the over um, uh, the over obvious chopping of the nuts fun like you we we were so hung up on like oh it's so obvious but like oh no you losers but now she's it. like i'm definitely killing this bitch i'm putting all these nuts in here yeah i think that <laughs> she's I, every she's like chopping like praise payment <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> oh my god i said that to one like one person that i knew and he was like oh no you don't say it and i was like you believe this unironically yeah. like <laughs> i found this on wikipedia <laughs> no i i like that you brought that up as a joke and it's somehow it's made easily my least favorite part of the movie yeah actually I, like now i watch i'll be like oh yeah that's on purpose yeah and it's good yeah, yeah there's there's we missed the subtext of the subtext yeah because yeah. we're just dumb <laughs> we're just out here i hope that, that i hope that opinions. that's the intention it, like you said yeah. it's like everything is orchestrated by this coven so yeah, yeah. I, I like that okay because like i did see i know i i had started looking i was looking for adults i didn't even think of the kids because i didn't remember seeing any because everybody's bowed yeah. so i was looking for everybody that's uh in the house naked is definitely adult um so i saw one dude that was yeah because they're naked the, you can't just have well, we've talked about that in the yeah, witch. Like, yeah. well, as long as you have the the modesty suits and CGI, that's apparently okay. Still um, weird. Um, but yeah, that's that's really fascinating. Okay. This has made this film like okay, it's basically perfect to me now. Yeah. Now that now that we've gotten that silly <laughs> yeah. nut thing yeah, out of yeah, the way, yeah, yeah, okay, exactly. Um, I do like that you brought up though, because because I thought the same thing about Peter. It's like, why didn't they just why didn't they just do it to Peter? Yeah. Uh, but I, it does make sense because she in that like kind of when she's in that grief support group. She talks about how it wasn't until later on that the her mother moves in with them, and even still, they were kind of off and on talking, not talking, mm-hmm. and so that makes more sense because I thought the same thing. I, I feel like the coven could have still orchestrated that whole thing to do it with Peter because they seem omnipresent in this movie. So, well, it feels yeah, like I don't know why they there. why they ended up conjuring I, I why they needed to to evoke. Uh, payment into Charlie is confusing to me because obviously they did it to Charles, and so he died. So. I don't know why you need to 
maybe because you contained it within Charlie, but then I don't know why you killed Charlie because now you have the same problem. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, yeah. It's it very confusing yeah, to that me. That part doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. It's yeah. like extra. But it does work very well for the movie, so. Yeah, yeah. it does. Absolutely. Yeah, it's the thing. I, I think stepping back, it seems like extra steps, but I like that the extra steps exist because now I get more hereditary. I get to see, see this movie I love for a little bit longer, so it's right. fine with me. I think it works in the film. But kind of looking back, I'm like, eh, I kind of don't get it. But yeah, why all, did they kill well. her the way they killed her too? The ha- there has to be decapitation. I know, but yeah. why did it have to be an accident? Huh? Um, like, uh, why did they do it that way? Why didn't they just orchestrate some other accident that would have absolutely been uh, guaranteed? You know, or why didn't they just kill it worked, her? You know. Yeah, I mean, it worked, but like that doesn't necessarily mean like you would think that a coven that's been doing this for a long time would have. You know their their methods kind of sorted out. <laughs> Maybe this isn't the first time they've done that. Maybe they did it in two thousand four with two drunk friends. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> my gosh, yeah. Um, do we want to move into? I kind of want to talk about the sound that Charlie makes. Oh yeah. So you have. I'm I'm hoping that you fix this for me because I think it sucks. It reminds me a lot of. I I, I want to say it's one of the Conjuring trailers. It's like the kids like clapping. It's just a sound. That's supposed to be creepy for your creepy movie. And I think a lot of Charlie's character is creepy girl acting creepy in your scary movie. And I think it kind of sucks. So I don't like it at all. Can you, we, I've been, I've been waiting, have a lot of anticipation to understand like, or hear your take on this. Cause I think it's awful. I think it's dumb. I think it's amazing. I think there's a few ways that it Perfect. works, <laughs> that it works very well. So first of all, we've established that Charlie, um, makes a clucking sound. Um, you know, is it a bird? Because birds are 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 represented in a lot of places. Uh, you have the pigeon. Um, you have her um, cutting off the head of the pigeon and making a doll. Then you have her head being on a doll at the end. So clearly making the uh, the connection there that they're the same. You have um, a bird in a bird cage at the end. There's another bird somewhere. I can't remember now. Um, Flies into the window. Well, that's the same one that she cuts the head okay, off. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. I think there might have been birds in her room as well, too, like on the walls. Um, so there's there's that. Like, is is our birds associated with payment in some in some way? Um, you also have payment depicted uh, as riding a camel. So, a la Monty Python. <laughs> oh my god okay <laughs> which i think is funny yeah, they probably just went with that because like given the the flight velocity of like african swallows they didn't have access to coconuts right so <laughs> <laughs> okay all right cool you fix that part for me it's better it's better so i, I, I have still a cu- think it's silly i have a couple better ones yeah. still okay so some occultists also uh suggest that the etymology of the word payment means a tinkling sound so he might have been named Payman because when he was evoked by King Solomon, the, his riches jingled. And so, oh, I will name him Payman. And that's because that, that's where all of the names come from, too, is when uh, Solomon goes through all of it, he uh, meets them. I mean, it's suggested that they tell him their name, or, you know. So obviously they're still made up. Like, they're not real. So it's not yeah, like they yeah. told them their name. So that's why they think that uh, that's what Payman means. But... One other way that it still really works is that you have this connection of the clucking sound with Charlie, with Payman, and it's a fun way of, of letting everyone know, other than the fact that they say they address Peter as being Charlie, but it's a fun visual thing that when um, Peter finally gets possessed and he clicks his tongue, that all of that right there is said in just a single sound. Yep. And I love that. So 
if you don't like that's it something now, that's why like, you don't need the blue light. Ah, uh, in some places I I do like it, like like we said with like with ours in general. But yeah, I think yeah, I, you know, I can agree. I can agree with that. Like, pick one or the other. Yeah, I mean, it still works. The movie's still great, so yeah, it doesn't necessarily take that much away from it. So I think that the clicking only exists so that you can have Peter do it at the very end to kind of tie it all in together. That's the only reason I think it exists. Because I, I think in and of itself, it's a, it's annoying and it's just a creepy girl being creepy. And that's kind of the, if I want to dig on like kind of crappy horror trope that make, made its way into this movie, that's like the one I would nitpick on. Because uh, I just don't think you need it. Um, but then again, I guess it works at the very end. So I guess it's 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 a setup and payoff that I can appreciate. But in and of itself, I think it's I think it's still silly. I like your explanations. I still think it's silly. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about your position. I mean, you can after find this. an explanation for anything if you look hard enough. Yeah, I do, I do think it's just a trope for the movie. Yeah, I I'm fine with it just being that because I think it still works. Yeah, but it's I like, fine. It's, I like all of these. It's a weird movie. Too. You got to have some weird shit, dude. It works with me. I had no issue with it. So. Um, one other question. She mentions this in uh when when she first goes to the grief counseling. She says, I, you know, I'm just here for trying it. Um, I went to one of these a few years ago and it seemed to work. So here I am again. Why, why did she go there? I'd assume because of her brother. No, she died. He died when they were kids. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, few is very vague. Yeah. Well, that's the, it, it made it like, they made it seem like within the last five years, the way she said it. I get it. It seems more recent than something she did as a kid. Like, yeah. I, I don't know many kids that would be like, let me go to a, a, a group, you know, grief session, you know, like a, a, a grief counseling or you know, grief support group. I don't think there's a lot of kids who would attend something like that. I did it when I was a kid. Oh, okay. Yeah. Then, okay. Then my, my idea of it is just, is just wrong then. Well, I mean, I, I mean, I, just, uh, I could be wrong too, but it could be because like maybe her separation with her mother. Or, I don't know, maybe her issues with Charlie and her being just a weird kid. She had to go something like that. Oh, There's you know a what? lot of explanations okay. for it that could be. Yeah. yeah. I, I wonder just, if it's, uh, it, she talks about kind of that dream sequence about how she was trying to get rid of Peter. And she was going to do anything it took to, you know, she didn't try to have a miscarriage. And so I wonder if maybe she went, she was grieving over that, like her attempts at uh, not having Peter. So I wonder yeah. if maybe that's part of maybe it. Maybe that's part of it, yeah. Or maybe she <clears throat> did have another child. That was maybe the other kind of, but, but it's never said. So I guess I, I know it's just yeah. a fun thing. Like maybe that, maybe there was another boy that they did actually try and get their hooks. Yeah. They were like at that point that she was back in their life. Um, Ellen, um, yeah, maybe it was a daughter and they're trying to get their hooves in her and her name was Ada. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like maybe they, is... maybe they were going to have another boy and she was like, no, like not, not with you back in my life. Um, yeah. I can't have another boy. I like that idea a lot. It's kind of a seems like kind of a throwaway line, but it adds a little flavor. And now we're it it brought up discussion here. So I, I like that. I like it. It's a yeah, little... especially when she's talking about like she's like she had, she feels so much guilt. She's like I was trying to save you, you know. But she feels so much guilt from it, right? Yeah. Like which is very obvious there. So extending that to a, another child that she aborted, like the one that she didn't want to get rid of, but wanted to keep from uh, suffering the same fate. Yeah. Yeah, no, I like that a lot. That's that's, that's an interesting good, yeah, that's idea. I, I hadn't like really, because yeah. I in that scene I just focused so much on the dialogue and 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 just experiencing Tony Collette do amazing things on screen that I I didn't even like really think of that line. Uh, but that no, that's interesting. Um, what else do we have? Do we want to move on to the 
Yeah, and like so actual like actual hereditary. Yeah, I think that's like that's there. We're we're at that point now where we 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 keep alluding to these things that passed on from uh, our relationships. Like I think, I think the one of the most cool shots is actually. Uh, we see the buried houses diorama that's at the base of the stairs. We start at the bottom of it and we kind of twirl up to the top and we see three different houses. And right, it's mentioned in an interview by the actual miniaturist as being a piece from one of Annie's previous ex- uh, exhibitions. And I think it perfectly encapsulates the film's major theme of generational relationships, especially with regard to those with mental illness and trauma. So we build uh, our houses by burying the old dilapidated houses of our parents and their parents before them. Like they're the foundation. And then the foundation becomes this mix of loosely packed dirt and crumbly facade be- as their as their minds fade and, and because they didn't they didn't work on making themselves good people. And so in reality, like they're they're uh, it's a metaphor for our shoddy coping mechanisms because um if our foundation are these terrible people like how can we really be uh work on ourselves and so our our houses ourselves start to crumble from the settling of the earth and we can do nothing but inflict psychic wounds on the ones who trust us who built their houses on ours in short my shortcomings are because of my parents it's not my fault Mm. i I love that i like that a lot and and kind of the kind of cattywampus nature to that miniature as well it's like it, it, it it's what you said it's perfectly representative each generation kind of being more tilted and more off because of the people who came before them and and yeah i think that yeah what you said describes the miniature and and both of them uh, i think they they represent kind of your, your the intergenerational play between uh, the grandmother annie and then uh charlie ultimately so i, I think that's yeah i i do like that just that 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 shot of them coming down the stairs and it's really quick the 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 house the miniature isn't in it very long but it like says a lot while it's in the frame i think it's awesome yeah Mm -hmm. it's in a few other shots and i i was i kept wanting a a closer look at until you actually do get the one and like wow now that that says so much um i think it's a little if they named the film uh, anything other than hereditary it might have been a little bit harder to pick up on thematically it's very on the nose in this case but I think it's still very, very fun visually. Yeah, I think it's beautiful. Speaking of the name, I'm so glad it wasn't like Payment Rising or something. Like <laughs> yeah, that. it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a ambiguous enough name that it makes it intriguing to go like, oh, what is this Hereditary all about? And it's, you know, like I said, I, I love the trailer for it. I think it builds it up all, all really well. The same with like Midsummer, that it's like a really unassuming name, and it ends up mm-hmm. opening up into this like really wild film. So I like I, just the way he titles stuff. I think works out really well. Yeah. Yeah. Rather than the hereditary or the midsummer. <laughs> so to end this, like we've mentioned so many different things of uh, whether this is family drama, whether this is all uh, mental for for Annie or and to a lesser extent Peter, and whether all of these things are actually happening. So what is this movie um, to you? What resonates with with you, and what uh, what interpretation do you prefer? I mean, I prefer. Uh, the coven is behind everything interpretation that this is all actually, it's not just mental illness. I think there's mental illness that is caused by it, but I believe that all of this is real and this is all really happening to this family and that, yeah, they are possessed. And at the end, Peter is possessed and he is now the demon King payment or whatever. Yeah. He's one of the, the yeah. Kings. And like, so I, I, I like to believe that this is all literal um, everything that's happened here, like I don't think that it's all a perspective or a pr- projection of Annie's mind or anyone else's. I think it's all real. 
Um, I mean, she cuts her own head off, dude. I mean, that's not something a sane person would do. Yeah, but I'm saying, like, if she was insane and this is all, like, part of her vision or whatever, like, that'd be the end of the thing. And it wasn't. Unless, like, what you're saying is, like, it passes on to Peter. But either way. Uh, I, I, yeah. <laughs> either way, I believe that, that, that it is all literal and it's all real. Um, that's why I want to see this movie. Um, because I don't necessarily like things that are like, well, is it, was it fucking, did this really happen or not? Like, I like to believe that it did happen. This is all very, very real. Yeah. yeah. I, I agree with that. Um, I think it, it works in the film better if, it's, if this is happening. Uh, I, I, don't, I think there are films who can use uh, kind of that, uh, is it mental illness? Is it, is, it, is it someone's thoughts that are causing this? Is it, uh, or, or is it something that's actually happening to them? And I think there are movies that play with that idea, and you can come away with like interpreting it one way or the other. I just think for me, this works so much better if it is actually happening. Um, cause again, the things I like most about this film is the family drama. And then it's like, has the backdrop of this like paranormal, uh, situation that they're in. And so going into it, I, I like Steve as the character who's, who is looking at it objectively. And he's like, no, this is, this is something, it is some kind of mental illness that's causing this. And then for him to be wrong makes this film more creepy to me to be, it, it is actually something supernatural that's happening to the family. Uh, so yeah, I, I agree with Jane. I, I like it. I like seeing this more literal. Uh, as far as like what resonates with me the most, like I'll say it again. I love family drama, and I and I I love the way this this like especially once you get down to Peter, Steve, and uh, Annie. I think that's when this movie like really opens up and they really shine in it. One of the my favorite scenes we were talking we talked about the dinner scene and uh, Annie's like I can't forgive you because like you won't take responsibility for this and. And she talks about uh, they can't even use this situation to grow from it. She was like, at least we could have used this to grow closer. We could have we could have achieved something positive out of this, but we can't even do that. And like that, all that drama to me totally works. And again, I think you could remove all the paranormal stuff from this, all the supernatural, all the demons, the cult, and it still all works so well to me. And that's that's the part that resonates with me most. I, I love I love family drama. Yeah, and I would say, yes, this is all actually happening i think this is so much fun in terms of you know i i I talk about like oh it's from annie's perspective it's from steve's perspective it's from peter's perspective but really like they're just they're just um perspectives of the characters that we that we actually empathize with uh that we're concerned about and all of these things are actually happening um I think you can look at some of these things as being uh, mental projections, those types of things. But I think they're allegorical in nature. I think that you have uh, things actually happening, but they have subtext as to how we treat um, our interpersonal relationships uh, with those with uh, um, who are abusive slash um, have mental disorders. I think all of that is is subtext to the to the reality. And I think that's, um, you know, normally I don't, normally that's not the case for me. Normally I find the, all of the subtext to be so much more interesting and like the point of the film. Right, right. But it does feel like here it's what is on screen is actually happening. And all of this other stuff is just layers um, that are really secondary. It, because it, like, it, although it is a, a family, it's, it's, it's the skin deep stuff. It's the family drama. It's the coven. That's all skin deep. That's the point of the film, though. All of the other stuff um, is just how we build real feeling feeling characters. Right. I think uh, when we did our review on The Witch, 
I was the one who was like, I I like this like at the surface level just for the family drama and Calvin, you were especially latched onto like all the symbolism and all the subtext that goes on with this. So I am surprised that you're like, no, it's kind of just what's on screen and that's what's happening. I, I it's refreshing to hear you have a take that's a leaf similar a to leaf, buddy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. And like, I'm not a one trick pony. Like, <laughs> um, but it's, I think that it's, it's refreshing it's, that we watch the same movie finally. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I think of like why it's the way that Ari Aster treats, um, like his, we talked about like his student films, how he likes the family drama, he likes the melodrama, and these come out of like real personal um, relationships. Whereas Robert Eggers builds everything out of archetypes, which are rooted in the subconscious uh, uh, psychology, and so though they they feel like where where I end up interpreting it is where the filmmakers started with as a, as a bouncing point for their story. So that's why I ultimately come to those conclusions. I feel like those, I mean, not to toot my own horn, I guess it sounds very egotistical that like, this is what they intended. And I, but you bet your ass. I saw all of that. <laughs> no, it's great. But that's why I feel that they operate better that way is because that was the intent. That was how they crafted their story. Right. Uh, do we want to rate this one? Yeah. Yeah. What do we want to give it? I don't know. Uh, we could do bird heads. We could do. I, I what you said. We could do uh, piano wire flosses. Oh my god. Okay. Yeah. That's uh, that's, that's the creepiest bird. one. So we're gonna do that one. Okay, that fits excellent. this movie. Uh, what do you give it, Jade? Um. So this is a movie where I look at it. Um. It's a very successful horror movie. I think that maybe even Ari Aster may have seen the Conjuring. And be like, man, this movie sucks. If only someone did something like this, but very good. Yeah. And like, cause I mean, there's a lot of similarities between the movies. Like you said, like the clicking, the clapping, the mom being possessed, things like that. Yeah. Um, and I think that, like, yeah, he just made the ultimate like new age horror movie. Yeah. This. And, uh, so I'm, I'm gonna give this a 9.6. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's, that's about what I think it deserves. I, yeah. I, I'd go with a nine. I, yeah. I think this is, now that we fixed my big problem with the nuts, uh, this is, like I said, this is nearly a perfect movie to me. Uh, I think maybe I could do with like a, maybe robust moments of the score that's maybe like a nitpick i could have yeah uh, but i still love this the sound of this the sound design is awesome yeah, uh, especially the yeah the the clicking is my favorite part <laughs> uh, yeah so i go with the nine I, I think this is a amazing movie and everyone should go see it yeah what do you give this one calvin i would say to me it's not i just have a, a, a special place in my heart for robert eggers films um and I think The Lighthouse is almost uh, one of the most perfect movies I've ever seen. So I don't know if I can rate it above that right now. And I gave that one a 9.5. It probably needs more points, actually. Um, Hereditary, I think, is probably like a 9.3 piano wires. It just does so many things so right. It it These are the types of things, like, you can tell stories Um that are compelling and engaging your popcorn flick, whatever that you want to call it. Like it's a horror movie, but it's the way the camera talks and speaks and communicates. That is, it elevates the piece, not only the acting, but it's the, the camera work that isn't present in anything eighties. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> all of that is, is you can see the talent there. And yeah. those are the things that I love. Right. All right. Yeah. No, <laughs> Yeah, give Tony Tony Collette an award. Yeah, please. Jesus, it's Jesus. a few it, years late, but you can still make give that her point. something. Yeah, yeah. It's so good. Um, Maybe let's her and some more. Let's yeah. get her some more. Maybe some reparations. Too. Yeah. All right. With that, I think we're yeah we're wrapping this one up. Uh, I'm your host Connor. Got my co-host Jaden. Yeah. And former guest Calvin. Thanks for having me back. And thank you for listening to now. This is podcasting.